Hi there, welcome to Typical Books. I'm Lydia Peaver, and this is the podcast mirror of my YouTube show, Typical Books, where we talk about horror fiction. So, on with the show. Hi there, today on Typical Books, I'm going to be talking about Clown in a Cornfield by Adam Caesar. This is a typical book in that you don't need much more to entice me to read a book other than the words clown and cornfield. I'm not a huge clowny person. I don't own a lot of clown things, but the cover of this book, the idea of it all, Adam Caesar's previous work, Con Season, was the one that I liked the most, really enticed me to read this. And of course, there was a little buzz here and there since this book's come out. And me and Regina at Regina's Haunted Library decided to do a buddy read. I put my little clown guy up here. It's like the only clown thing I own, so it's fitting, right? I don't know if he's cut off, but whatever. He will sit there. I do love clowns. I like clown films specifically, and I haven't like read enough clown fiction. I'd have to go over to Alex's channel, The Bookubus. She's had a lot more clown fiction, and she's dressed up as a clown if you want to scour her videos. I know I'm going to to double check on clown fiction that I may have missed. It's predominantly clown movies that I like the most. So, I mean, Killer Clowns from Outer Space is the, the most popular idea, but using clowns in something like uh, Clown Town or Circus of the Dead or The Last Circus or even 31, House of a Thousand Corpses has clown content. Yeah, me and Regina decided to read this. Not only is this book blurbed by Clive Barker on the cover, there was a little buzz lately, which enticed us very much. I finished reading it just recently on Friday the 13th, I believe. So we had planned like a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday read because it is kind of short. It's like 350 pages. So we got through it quite quickly. Over the course of my reading, I had posted three vlogs, so to speak, on TikTok. So I don't post to TikTok often enough, but like I said in my previous video, it is fun. And I have a stand for my phone and stuff, so I might as well. So maybe I'll be doing that as far as reading vlogs. So I may intersperse some of those videos here as far as some of my initial reactions while reading. Clown in a Cornfield was published last year by Harper Teen. In the meantime, it was nominated for Superior Young Adult Fiction, I believe, in Bram Stoker Awards season for 2020, and it won. So it is fantastic in that way. It had caught my eye well before becoming a nominee, just on the virtue of the cover alone. And then I'd seen on Twitter, it was blurbed by Clive Barker. For any fan of Clive Barker or author, to see that. I think that that is, uh, holds a lot more weight than a lot of other authors blurbing a book. So that really, really caught my eye. And of course, so many people enjoying the hell out of it after. Even people who don't read YA and they just like horror and they were sold on the idea and the title alone is what sold a lot of people. I hope he would never thought of calling it like Friendo's Revenge or something like that because Clown in a Cornfield is just such a beautiful name. Then of course, so many booktubers also read this book. It was on Instagram a lot, especially for Halloween season last year because it came out in that perfect perfect time, you know, August-ish, late summer, perfect time to get people excited. Like people are starting to get excited right now for Halloween. If you see Elizabeth Sagewood's channel, she has decorations up already, which is what you want to see. But yeah, that sort of got everyone excited. 
And of course, Adam Caesar has a booktube channel. He talks about books and film and black t-shirts. So check out his channel if you're interested, but I had seen some preliminary talk there. So I was in so many directions tugged toward reading this book. I feel a little odd that it took me this long to get to it, but that's our reading lists, right? If you have a gigantic TBR, if you have lots of books on your shelves you haven't read, if you're being sent advanced readers copies or have picked up things, zero day new releases that you're excited about, your insta buys as it were, it leads to a lot of reading. So I can see why a YA novel sort of fell off my radar until recently. So I'm really glad that I decided to pick this one up. Quinn Maybrook and her father have moved to tiny, boring Kettle Springs to find a fresh start. But what they don't know is that ever since Bay Pen Corn Syrup Factory shut down, Kettle Springs has cracked in half. On one side there are the adults who are desperate to make Kettle Springs great again, and on the other are the kids who want to have fun, make prank videos, and get out of Kettle Springs as quick as they can. Kettle Springs is caught in a battle between old and new tradition and progress. It's a fight that looks like it will destroy the town until Frendo, the Bay Pen mascot, a creepy clown in a pork pie hat, goes homicidal and decides that the only way for Kettle Springs to grow back is to cull the rotten crop of kids who live there now. And I feel the summary only touches the edge of how violent and quite scary and terrifying this book is. So fans of slasher novels, slasher horror, B-grade horror, slashers, 80s slashers, Stephen King books where they rely on that stalking, killing thing. You know, that is someone who would really enjoy reading this particular book. If you like those sorts of homicidal thrillers as well outside of horror that are quite bloody, that should almost be horror, then this would be up your alley as well because it doesn't get too visceral or too, too terrifying in the realms of horror. So I think it would be suitable for those who like thrillers. There is a mystery component as well. So if you are a mystery fan or like horror mysteries, thriller mysteries that are kind of brutal, then this one would be right up your alley too. You might ask, well, Lydia, you just did a big thing about black metal and horror. Why are you reading a YA story about clowns now? You go from extreme to YA. Well, there's a lot of similarities between a black metal and clowns. Uh, they both wear face paint from time to time. Uh, not the best ones, but most of them wear face paint or have and they are loud, can be obnoxious, and maybe something that not everyone can understand. They also speak to some sort of history that not everyone grasps, and they're often mistaken for plain entertainment or for children. So I thought there was a lot of parallels between the two art forms. I'm only being half serious. So, so far I'm having a lot of fun with Clown in a Cornfield. Mentions of South Street have only been there once and how much the main character Quinn misses that. And the cornfields everywhere in Missouri, which reminds me of some of the cow town here where the corn cobs grow high in Canada. So like, I really love this and I love clown stories. I am a big clown fan. So I did read it as an ebook. Um, Adam Caesar had put a note on his Twitter at one point saying like, hey, if you haven't read my books, now's a really good time. And I bit because I, I had read Con Season and I liked it and I'd been 
holding off on this, but there had been some buzz coming up after the Stoker Award things. So I definitely was enticed, so I picked it up right away. And it was very fun and it defied my expectations as far as a YA, because it being YA was why I didn't pick it up at first. But it is bloody and it is quite grotesque. And that's what I need in my horror, right? I really like that. I'd, I like a quiet horror, sure, but when I want bloody slasher fiction, I want it to be bloody. So this really fit the bill. I've read a little bit of YA stuff and I find a lot of it that I picked up is like paranormal or sort of dark fiction. Still alongside this book, not a lot of eroticism, which I really enjoy. What this one surprised me with is that it's a slasher. It's not necessarily paranormal. So it is brutal. It is very bloody and I enjoy that quite a lot. And the swearing. I did not anticipate so much F-bombs. Oh my gosh. But it's, it's apt. It's reflective of youth. And Adam Caesar being a teacher, I had spent some time as a college level teacher so I can, I can really see these parallels and I think that he's grasped youth culture of today really really well aside from just you know he's also a youtuber so he does have an idea of like live streaming and stuff and some of the catchphrases he doesn't go overboard with that sort of thing either which really could belie the older writer writing as the voice of these younger teens i think the last ya fiction i read was feel me fall and uh it was good you know and it was it was kind of like a thriller or just dark fiction so it didn't really need to fit the bill as far as the slasher but this being touted as a slasher and i was definitely convinced with when adam caesar said if you liked con season then you will dig this it is just as bloody so that really enticed me and of course once i mentioned i was reading it regina hopped on as well because she's been wanting to get to it as well so i'll be looking forward to her video too Quinn Maybrook and her father Glenn have moved to Kettle Falls, this little town in what Connecticut from Philadelphia of all places. So moving from the very large busy city to a very small little rural town, I can only relate to in that I would be the inverse of that. I am a country mouse that would have been moving to the larger city, but I really like those sorts of takes on small towns. Kettle Springs. Did I say Kettle Falls? Kettle Springs. Now Kettle Springs is populated by a crotchety old guard of people who really like their Founders Day parade and stuff like that and youth who really like causing shit in sort of like a Johnny Knoxville manner and posting it on live feeds to the internet. You can see how those two demographics really clash instantly. So I think that was a really good setting for this poor girl Quinn to be thrust from the big city into this small town where there are all sorts of catty high school cliques being captured live to be posted online. It is just rife with embarrassment and backstabbery. But then this old guard where Glenn, her father, is a doctor and he's just moved into this house and a practice that was provided by the outgoing doctor who was like an old country doctor i can imagine a lot like my doctor when i was a kid so that all really appealed to me because i could definitely get into this on both aspects the younger crowd shooting stuff and putting it online i can understand and get behind and the older people who have a town meeting specifically to get rid of these snarky kids 
Indeed, the book opens with us actually meeting this clique of snarky kids, and they have suffered a death within their clique to a certain degree. It is Cole, the de facto ringleader, the most popular and hottest boy in town. His sister uh, died, not necessarily as a result of their pranks, but it would look like that. It was just a swimming accident. But her death opens the book, and I thought that quote was quite shocking because, like, they didn't pull any punches and the reactions of these kids is quite real and even though it's not a gory scene by any means it is a heart-wrenching scene so i really like that setup and how you meet these horrible snarky backstabbing kids that don't really seem to like each other very much at all so i thought that was a super good intro to those kids and then we meet quinn who i could immediately feel for and she gets sucked up into this crowd quite quickly she also meets the neighbor boy, Rust. So there are like these gentle suggestions of sort of relationships. There's even a little relationship hinted at between Tucker, who's a big jock type guy, and one of the girls in the crowd, but they keep it on the down low and no one knows that they've been hooking up and stuff like that. And I don't really like that sort of like relationship junk and like eroticism I don't like in books at all, really. So I was glad that this is YA, and this is maybe where I'll read some more YA slashers because they're not going to focus on that sort of stuff. And we'll get back to like the secret hookups later on. Suffice it to say, there's not a lot of that sort of talk, and I really appreciated that. But it also leaves an opening for Quinn because she has these sort of quasi-interests, almost in a Fox and Mulder way. Her and Cole seem to get along really well. All the other girls seem to give her stink eye over it. And Rust is a nice neighbor boy who seems a little more backwoods and stuff like that. So she's got these like choices, I guess, if you want to put it that way. She also has some instant friends, which is so convenient and comforting. And you can look at it one way, like a uh, little towns don't work like that. She would be ostracized for like a month before she does something spectacular to warm people up to her. But I don't know, maybe it's just a really friendly town. Oh, it is a friendly town. Their mascot's name is Frendo. Frendo the Clown. Now, when Quinn moves into this house that they have, this farmhouse, it's on the edge of a vast cornfield. There's cornfields everywhere. And even driving around this area of Ontario, or points north, points east, there are a lot of cornfields. Driving in Pennsylvania, I've seen a lot of cornfields. So it's one thing to be thrust out of Philadelphia into cornfield town, but you know, it's something that you can imagine if you live anywhere in North America or other parts of the world where there's a lot of corn, it is a wonderful, beautiful, smelling and looking sight. She's on the edge of this vast cornfield, but in the middle of it is an abandoned factory for something called Bay Pen. Turns out it is a corn syrup factory. And oddly enough, that's another one of the things that really drew me to this book because beehive corn syrup was like a big thing around here, crown corn syrup as well. And I was surrounded by a lot of like 50s culture when I was growing up, 50s and 60s stuff. And those sorts of advertisements were like, I lived for that stuff as a young graphic designer as well, is these callbacks to these old corn syrup commercials and advertisements. And the Dion Quintuplets, which were a big part of my growing up for whatever reason, they also featured in a lot of corn syrup ads. So I just have an affinity for corn syrup. And of course, being a clown, Frendo drew me to this book because that is the mascot of Bay Pen corn syrup. Hence the mascot of the town and Founders Day is all about Frendo the Clown. 
and he is someone that people dress up as, like Shriners. The way that the Masonic temple is akin to the Shriners, there's always something weird about clowns in that there is some sort of secret society I always think of behind clowns. If you ever have an opportunity to go into one of the Shrine Halls, there's often photos of the clowns. And if you're clownophobic or chlorophobic, I'm not sure of the term, I apologize that you're this far in the video and I'm just talking clowns. We've got creepy clowns and all sorts of clown talk here, but don't go into a shrine hall if you're afraid of clowns. If on the other hand, like me, you are fascinated by them and love looking at all their different variations, definitely see if you can't check out the wall of clowns in a shrine hall. So the abandoned factory was also a thing that this group of kids had done that went wrong and there was an accidental fire. So there's like a death in Cole's family, his younger sister, and the burning of this factory which happens to be his family as well. This Cole kid is super rich. His family used to own or does own Bay Pen, hence they own like most of the town. So he's got a lot of pressure and I really like this character even though we don't we don't spend all of our time with him. We don't spend any time in his head. This is written in like a distant third-person omniscience. So we spend a lot of time with Quinn. Not everything is through her eyes though, and we do get an idea of what other people are up to, but we aren't really within their heads or their pockets. So we don't know every single thing going on with Cole, which also relates to the who is all hooking up here thing. We don't really know as the reader. We only know what we see and what we're told. Now, when I say distant third-person point of view, it's distant for most of the time. There's a few times when we do kind of zoom up close to see what is making someone tick, but not so close as to know their every waking thought. One thing that these kids do often is party in this field called Tillerson's Field. And I guess the idea is that it is so big and so out of town that no one from the town is ever going to catch them partying there. Just like they used to party at this quarry where Victoria, Cole's sister, had died. But like, so they don't get caught. And the Tillersons, these farmers, I suppose, they go out of town often enough so they never get caught partying in their gigantic cornfield. And I've seen some cornfield type parties, not in this big of a cornfield and never without permission. But you might remember in my review of Rave, I talked about pit parties and stuff like that. So I've had my fair share of seeing how this sort of stuff plays out. And while it's not a rave by any means, it is just a like bonfire party. They seem to have this down pat. These kids do this often enough and it is everyone from the town. So a lot of these things like clicks and friendships and enemies don't seem to matter. Everyone's going to show up at this place, which makes it a powder keg of social bullshit. It really does. But I like that because going into this, we've got to meet a pretty big cast of characters. We have a good idea of who gets along and who doesn't, who doesn't seem to get along with everybody aka Janet and Ronnie, the girls in this crowd. One is nicer than the other, but they're both very, very, very catty. And then we find out that maybe Cole and Rust know one another and their conversation comes across as a little catty as well. Later on, when you get to know them a little better through the end of the book, it becomes even cattier in hindsight, but 
they like got along and hung out in, in grade school but now that they're in high school it's like something must have happened between them and Quinn Gathers but she sort of just leaves it alone because she's still the new girl she's often called the new girl and I really like that transition it's just good writing from like she's constantly called new girl by everybody and then by the middle of the book it's only a few outliers that call her new girl to get a rise out of her or because they don't know her name and then by the end she's not usually called new girl at all so it just has a really good trajectory that way and I really enjoyed the writing all around you know it's just tightly written and well edited it flows very well and it reads very quick so I mean that is also the grade scale the reading grade scale that keeps it low for YA hence it's a really breezy read if you're used to reading more verbose work. Now without getting too too spoilerific, Frendo is a threat. Frendo the clown. He's not a real clown. It's people dressed up as Frendo. We get that idea near the beginning when one of the kids, one of the jockey big jerk guys, is dressed up as Frendo for a parade, which also goes wrong and has accidents that the kids are blamed for. All sorts of accidents in this town they're always blamed for. Hence the founding fathers, all of the jerks in town, the adults that is, have meetings to get rid of these kids or control these kids, discourage them from attending events, do things to arrest them, ground them, whatever they can do to keep these kids away from the general population, which is pretty hard in a town with like what I'm guessing is a population of like 20,000, maybe 15,000. Maybe 15. It's just a very small town. Now it's a very small town in Connecticut that is surrounded by forests, hence there's a lot of hunters. So then we enter, without getting too spoilery, weaponry. And there are weapons that end up in the hands of clowns. It's a clown slasher. So there is all sorts of weaponry. And I talked about it in my TikTok video. I still did not anticipate how bloody it would be, so I am in hog heaven. Two things that really struck me in the last 7 to 16 chapter count was weaponry. And I'm not a big geek for weaponry, but two things caught my eye and I, I thought was very interesting. They talk about the amount of pounds of draw that you would need on a crossbow to kill a teenager. And, you know, I got thinking of that because I can pull maybe 80 pounds when I was at my toughest, maybe 50 pounds now. I'm pretty weak. Crossbows are not my forte. But the other was having a handgun while you're hunting for a clean kill. I never really saw any use for handguns. And I'm an anti-gun person who's a hunting advocate, right? So balance that however you want. I am all for hunting and long guns, but handguns have a place. I learned that today. Now, not that I was entirely taken aback that there was going to be weapon talk in it, but I was delighted, as you can see, on this talk of weaponry. It is a long time ago since I've ever shot any sort of long gun. I've never shot a handgun and like it's been a long time. Bow hunting is in my family. So I've definitely had, been around crossbows and stuff like that. I've seen those, but I've never really seen them used in horror fiction. I've seen them in films and I enjoy bow hunting in films. That's for sure. Bow hunting, bow killing, whatever. So I enjoy that take quite a lot. And I really like this teens trapped in a place and it's on fire and they're trying to get out. That angle of when the clowns are closing in. Oh yeah, there's multiple clowns. Okay, we're entering spoiler territory. We're gonna be entering spoiler territory once again when I play a clip from my final TikTok video. 
I did really like the brutality. It is extremely bloody and gory and there is dead body discovery and there are people that are you know, left within an inch of their life and they try and scrabble through further and help other people or save themselves. And sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. So I find the stakes were very high as far as the morality in this. And I really enjoyed that it moved along so very quickly and he didn't pull any punches ever. So thank you, Adam Caesar, for that. One of the larger criticisms of this book comes from its relationship plays. And like I said, I talk about it in my TikTok video, but there is a relationship that is quite unexpected. Near the end of the book, there are two characters and it ends in a kiss, which given a lot of books or given any more page time, I would have been turned off by because I don't really dig that stuff, but I found it quite endearing. And it explained a lot of these people's catty conversations and relationships earlier in the book. Near the end, there is a relationship that becomes revealed. And I'm not going to spoil anything. I'm going to try to not spoil anything. But I will say that, you know, you can have hidden relationships and they do hint about that in earlier in the book where two people are hooking up and no one else seems to know and it's being kept on the down low so to speak and because it's a straight thing and the other story of people hooking up and it's on the down low is a gay scenario I think that there's like a, a dual perspective there where there shouldn't be they should really be treated about the same and anyone that that treats it differently I don't know should maybe like re read those portions and maybe they forget about the one relationship and their non-reaction to it and then the other relationship stands out because they maybe expected more from that story and i'm not gonna lie i expected a little more from that story too you'll have to read it to know what i mean i suppose but i kind of wanted more from the other story in a way but then i'm not interested so much in those those sexual relationships. If you've read Clown in a Cornfield, definitely let me know in the comments below because I'm very interested to hear what you have to say about it. Or if you found it as fun as I did, or if it was unexpectedly gory, or was it not as gory as you expected it to be? I have to read some more YA. So if you know of any very gory YA slashers, or of course, extreme fiction, paranormal fiction, definitely let me know in the comments below. And you have an ookie spooky day. If you are looking for something new to read, some insight or reviews of horror you have read, or even talk from a writer's perspective, I hope you enjoy this little show. Feel free to check out the YouTube version by searching Typical Books, or visit me at LydiaPeaver.ca. Thank you, and have a dark, devious day.